1: Tonight, dreams of a good, clean Viking axe fight, baldness begats a Bible bear massacre, adventures with whiskey-loving tinker devil cats, being drugged to church by a woman you converted, and the story of a man with balls of steel willing to do the right thing to save 6,000 lives. Hey, if it wasn't eclectic, it wouldn't be us. And now, Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast begins now. Welcome back everybody, episode 52 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Back again for more awesome chatting with our pal Daniele Bolelli. Here we go.
0: And we start off by saying a big thank you to the people who keep us on the air. Uh, and clothed. Indeed, that's usara I'm sporting in this very moment. That's uh, Susara. What the hell is a hoodie? Is the yeah. kind of thing that you got shot at if you're black and wear this thing in the around neighborhood? Yeah, it's a wholesome hoodie, though. So, so, you know, try not to get shot wearing it. But it's. Because
1: we're freezing now because it's down into the 50s. Oh, my God. Is that crazy?
0: A uh, year that is going to climb back up. It'll be in the 90s couple, by the weekend. Yeah. But
1: if I may just real quickly, it rained for the first time here. In uh, probably eleven months. Oh yeah, everybody was outside begging the gods, please thank, more. Giving, yes, rain dances. It's, just yeah. by, and it's it's funny that if you haven't heard rain in a year, mm-hmm. first of all, instantly recognizable. It's mm-hmm. like everybody because the windows are already open because the wind was kind of blowing. It's like oh, it's coming, it's coming in, and that shh begins. Oh yeah, it's But awesome. it's so three D and so. And the uh, Petra Okur, the, the the scent that the ground gives mm-hmm. off when it gets wet for the first time in a long time. My daughter loves, because, you know, having grown up in
0: California, she never see the rain. Actually, Southern California, Northern California, you see a bunch. Yeah. But in Southern Cal, where you never see the rain, she's ecstatic every time she, it rains. She's so, this summer we we're in Italy and it rained all the freaking time. There were like, I don't know, we went through 15 thunderstorms in a few weeks. She was as happy as she could be dancing in the rain, always going out and just being like, couldn't get enough. Now, of course I can't either now because I've lived here long enough. When I first, uh, when I was living in Italy and it was like six months of rain in winter, I was not such a big fan of it, but I'm sure in Seattle maybe rain is not quite as popular. Distance as it makes be. the heart
1: grow fonder without without any question, man, because it was like.
0: But then again, Tom Robbins, the um, uh, best writer in the universe, Tom, uh, is uh, he lives outside of Seattle and he just loves the rain, which is, I guess, a good place to live then because it rains all the time. Amongst
1: the blackberry but bushes.
0: Yep, exactly. That's precisely Anyway, that.
1: just had to share. It was really kind of a funny thing how excited everybody was. Oh, yeah. And and we've been disappointed a few times over the past. We were like, oh, it's going to rain. It's like bullshit. Yeah. They actually got one right. And when it did, it was a showstopper. It no. was like, wow. And no, we can't drive in the rain because it can never rains. I think you are now aware that we just lost 92% of our
0: listeners who are now is no there in a million places. And they're like, fuck you guys.
1: I hate you, Just you and your stupid no. California son. I they haven't learned anything, none of this is about hate. You know, no, you course. need some sun. Come get some sun, man. We got Indeed. plenty. The beaches are great. I remember
0: when I was a kid in uh, in Italy. I saw this thing. There was a, I was watching some show that was taking place in Hawaii, and it was sort of a, maybe it was a sporting event. I can't remember. Like, and it was middle of winter in Italy. Brutal snow, <laughs> heavy, all of that. And there was uh, somebody holding up a sign like cold. Out here is 91 degrees, and I was like, screw you guys. But in any case, back to thank yous rather than screw yous. Yes, yes. So that's Usara with some great hemp gear. Um, onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. With, this is how my days are always starting with uh, the hemp protein shake I throw in. My day begins with a yogurt, which is not on it, a banana, which is not on it, that comes from the ground, and, uh, or rather from trees, and some uh, Onnit chocolate hemp powder and I throw it in there, mix it up and get, I guess, the equivalent of a smoothie or something along those lines. That's breakfast every morning. So yeah, man, there's a lot of good products out there. Check them out on the Onnit website. And of course, a big thank you to Sure Design T-shirts who constantly pumps out some of the wildest, craziest shirts in the universe, very much, fit in my aesthetic fashion sense which is not exactly the fashion sense of what's Italian from Milan, uh, you know, fashion capital of the world is supposed to be about, but fuck, supposed to be about. Yeah,
1: well, you can wear something like thirteen pockets on it or some shit. No, I think it fits very nicely to what you're I presenting. I love short design. It's your own shirts a lot of the time. How about that? No. Look at that! It's the Dionysian Parade. Check what we got here. Dun, yes. Dun, dun, dun. So not
0: only their shirt, which are amazing, and again, check the website because it changes all the time, but also if you guys are in dire need of one of our shirts, either the old one with the logo of the Drunken Tower. Or the Dionysian parade shirt, which will give you 20 minutes of staring at every single because there's so much happening. It's like where is Waldo, except with drugs, sex, and some strange character showing up. But um, yeah, other than that, I think that was the best description we got so far of the Dionysian parade. Excellent but um anything else well last uh, real quick before we get going amazon link please 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 for some other reason our listenership has increased and our use of the amazon link has decreased so if you guys can remember to use our amazon link when you are shopping on it Deep, deep, thank you. Uh, Christmas coming up, so if you're doing your Christmas shopping on Amazon, please
1: remember us. I think the thing you have to remember is you have to click through the one on our portal on our website. Yeah. If you do your shopping and then click over, it doesn't catch it.
0: Same doesn't catch it if you already have saved it in the cart. Uh, No, it has to be kind of a a new search. So uh, sorry if it's a pain in the ass, but that's how it goes. Thank you guys for supporting us, and let's get rolling.
1: as Father re reteaches you to unlearn the Bible. And we have a good member of
0: our flock, Mr. Brett Stroll, wanted, um, brought to my attention that there's a great story in 2 Kings 2 that's deserving of being told, and I remember reading this story quite a few times and always thinking this is a juicy one. But Brett brought it to the from the back burner to the front, so we might as well tackle it today.
1: Well, it's an important one to tackle because it involves people that are mean to the follically challenged. Yeah, and 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 what could be crueler than that? That's clearly not that formal. I have any you know recollection as to why anybody would be mean to somebody. You know, you know, you're bald when you can make a clapping sound with one hand. Yeah, that's not good. Head. Anyway, and what we got is,
0: yeah, some uh, our Biblical prophet today, Mr. Elisha. He's feeling... uh, I'm sure he has some issues about being bold and uh, you know his ego is um, negatively affected by this fact. So one day he was out doing his thing prophesizing and listening to God's voice and all of his thing and he's walking along the roads when a bunch of kids just jump out of town and look at him and start making fun of him look at the boldy, look at that bold guy, hey. ha ha ha, you know, they just played, uh, which is rather rude, right? You can hurt feelings like that. Yeah, that would not be nice. So, what's a good man of God to do when faced
1: with such thing? I, my thought would be he would probably pull the children aside and say, you know, that's kind of hurtful and you can make somebody sad being like that and God would be upset with you if you...
0: Almost exactly
1: like that, except
0: that it also involves uh, calling God's curse on them. And God's curse is going to immediately manifest itself in the form of two hungry bears who are going to come out of the woods and maul the entirety of the 42 kids involved. So, yeah, kind of what you said, more or less. And uh, so the moral of the story in this case, I would definitely say is don't make fun of the bold man of God because hungry bears are about to dismember you if you do. The fact that you're a kid, definitely not an excuse.
1: Where the hell did that come from?
0: Seems like a fully appropriate story designed to instill the love of God in you.
1: the fear of bears.
0: Yeah, that too. But you know, you're probably, if you're not dumb, you're probably afraid of bears to begin with. And, uh, but yeah, making a point that don't make fun of all the people who have gods here, because some mighty course can come down on you. Wow,
1: that just makes me more nervous than ever. So you piss some guy off on traffic, boom. Depending on which guy it is. Bear.
0: If, if he can call on uh, God's course on you, yes, you are in trouble.
1: Was this bear troop, does it show up a lot through the Bible? I don't... No, just... This, this is just a one-off. Yep, yeah, this is a one-time. One extra thing to worry about. Instead of your normal smiting, your, you know, zapping and... Drowning and
0: sometimes um, uh, smiting with the giant finger from above, sometimes, oh two hungry bears coming out and killing 42 kids. In either case, the Bible, as always, seemed to be written by Quentin Tarantino. Wow! All
1: right, Kill Bill Volume 3 Two Hungry Bears. <laughs> time everybody must be time to rant about something
0: let's rant away let's start with something that our friend Sam Sheridan said in some of his books Sam by the way was on our podcast quite a while back we should have him back again at some point so check out the episode with Sam that we did way back in the day it was always a fun chat but one thing that he writes in one of his books is the fact that when dealing with some kind of crisis Having a mindset that's ready for worst case scenario makes a huge difference because it eliminates that denial stage when people are kind of in two shell shock to deal with what's happening. He's talking about sort of disaster kind of, you know, giant earthquake take place, uh, fire, apocalypse, aliens, invasion, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But really it applies to a lot of things is the stuff you're not prepared for the the bad scenario the and i don't mean prepare like you have to stock up on shotguns and food kind of thing i mean mentally prepare for like the you i did not see that coming oh shit and then you spend a ton of time in this denial of what's happening because you don't want to deal with the fact that something ugly is going on which makes you less effective at dealing with it and makes you ultimately probably more vulnerable on a psychological level to what's going on One of the things that Sam says is that having a mindset where you think about some worst case scenario and accept that as part of life and sort of be ready for how you're gonna respond rather than dealing, why is this happening? You know, that's a big difference in your ability to handle it. And this reminds me a little bit of um, the classic of uh, Bushido, the sort of the way of the samurai that's known as the Agakure, which is, sort of the Bible of, uh, of Bushido is this, um, the whole book is about how samurais deal with death, how samurais deal with the fact that ultimately you you only control your destiny to a point because something can always eventually happen that the other guy is a little better that you had sword fighting that day and your head goes flying off or, you know, things don't work according to plan.
1: It could be smiting day.
0: And eventually, you know, eventually it is. You don't always work according to plan. That's just the nature of the business, right? It's Absolutely. none of us. It doesn't matter how good and smart you are. You don't fully control everything around you. And so what the Agakure recommends is to, well, the Agakure is also a little morbid, let's say that. But one of the things that um, they recommend in the book is sort of to meditate daily about death and being a samurai he's meditating daily about being shot with arrows being chopped to pieces with a sword being uh, thrown into you know all this basically meditating on the worst case scenario where your ultimate nightmare is taking place things are not working out and you are in deep shit and how do you deal with it which doesn't mean how you deal with it how you find a solution it's like no i duck and no how do you deal with the fact that things are not gonna go your way? and it may even be in a very final kind of way, is you're about to die and that's just where it goes. His way is, you don't control fully whether you're able to avoid the defeat, loss, death or not, but what you do control is how you're gonna face it and the spirit that you're gonna face it with. And of course, being samurai, they are big on dying with honor and dying with dignity and having the whole, you know, that's what a real samurai does. And there's something I dig about it that almost as a meditative practice, I think is interesting because then uh, a, it makes you appreciate everything a lot more, you know, come into the place of acceptance of any moment something horrible may happen once you go over it in your head and accept it and deal with it, then you go on through the rest of the day and enjoy every single damn moment of the day for Sun, one.
1: Sunrises and sunsets sure nicer when...
0: Yeah, it's like, oh, I saw another one. It wasn't that nice, yeah. you know? So I think there's something interesting about that. You know, we always read about meditation and as a very sort of picture, happy unicorns go to your happy place and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's also useful. Well, I don't know about the happy, well, maybe the happy unicorns do for you, whatever it works. But, you know, if that works for you, great. I have no problems with that. But having some kind of meditative uh, visualization practice where you do deal with the dark, ugly aspect of life is not a downer. Is not to weaken you or make you feel like... It's really just about, as Sam would put it, not being caught by surprise, not being suddenly thrown completely in a mental state that you're not ready to handle the reality that's facing you. And I think there's something healthy about that. So on that note, go
1: meditate on uh, demons chopping you to pieces with swords yeah no first world problems not and we ordered the chinese food and it was almost 47 minutes before it got here and we were been hungry for like 35 of those minutes that would make me mad but
0: the um, no there's i think i even mentioned it in an episode there was uh, a tibetan practice that they used to do back in the day in tibet was that um, as an initiation ritual some of the monks would have to go to meditate by themselves in a graveyard except that graveyard in the night are already not the most cheerful place except that Tibetan traditional Tibetan graveyards were uncovered the bodies are left there to rot so you are in the middle of a bunch of rotting bodies where scavengers are constantly going through and there are wolves coming around to munch on the bones and they are meditating in the middle of it all I don't suggest you go that far, but maybe a quick uh, meditative practice on the less kind aspect of life may Tr- actually Drive through,
1: through a bad neighborhood.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the rant of the day.
1: Sounds it's little, little stories coming right up. I, this was definitely a couple months down the road because uh, I'm going back to Halloween. My house was empty for Halloween. I had no trick-or-treaters. Really? Um, my youngest son just turned 17. That means 57 child's birthdays we've gone through at my house. Jesus. And now there are no more. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a melancholy thing. It's a good thing mm-hmm. because I think we did a good job and they're out in the world and they're doing their thing. And uh, it's a bad thing because the whole empty nest thing, I never thought it would ever get here. Are you kidding me? But Those it's... sleepless first, you know, we right. changed diapers for like seven years.
0: That's uh, I'm sure that's what your kids want the war to know, but...
1: Well, you know, it, nothing, you know, nobody out of swords or anything. It was oh yeah, no, it's seven years cumulative. I forgot cumulative, it's not yes, one kid with no, no, seven no, no, and no, no. in diapers. No, no. The one born right? in ninety three yeah, did not. Uh, that would shit have been, himself till the two thousands. Luckily, that would have been bad. Yes, that would have been terrible. Yeah, we wouldn't have shared that. No, no, cumulative. Okay, but that's um, not as bad. I don't know. I'm ready to hear a nice is story because uh, cling on to him, everybody. It goes by so fast. Halloween was funny, man. He she um, she decided.
0: At some point she decided to triple up on her costume. So she was like, I don't want to be this thing. I don't want to be that thing. I want to be a bunch of things. So she decided she was going to be Tinkerbell, a devil and a cat all at once. So she had multiple pieces of different costumes that she arranged together. Oddly enough, they actually worked out well, but she was, a multiple uh, like she she was not sticking to a single version of anything she's like I'm making up my own shit which well, I sympathize a, with that sentiment and there's
1: a great tradition of tinker devil cats anyway so. oh, of course it's uh, all over the world so would, would one rise like the, for this house the devil will rise to the top and take care of the candy gathering and then i will be a cat at the next one and
0: no her approach to candy gathering was quite efficient she was with this other kid who was like her as she puts it one of her boys um, Was dressed as Batman, and the poor kid was scared. Like, he would approach every other house and he would go to one, and then he would skip the next four because he was freaked out. So, and this was really methodical. She would run from house to house. She would arrive, tak, 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 take her treats. Thank you. Bye. Run to the next one. It was like she was on a mission. It was like. Uh, let's see how many candies I can get in the shortest amount of time. She was, like, literally running from one. I had to keep up with her, running up with her, because she was like, go, 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 go. Very polite. Trick or treat. Thank you. Thank you so much. And off to the next one. All in a... So that was interesting. It was an athletic approach to Halloween, all on a run.
1: That's fantastic. I mean, it sounds like you guys do Halloween correctly. And that's sort of a tradition, like, from the 70s. when, Like, even back in the 70s, you would go out for hours and hours and just sort of, you know, there might be one adult with you guys, but you were a gang and you stuck together and, you know, you'd have to throw the apples away because they had razor blades in them. Mm. And, you know, the hippies were putting LSD into the candy so you had to look for pin bricks. But it was, like, just a, a cooler time, man, because it seemed like the, the whole neighborhood was involved. And in, to have a holiday where you let strangers into your house and you give them things? No, well, normally,
0: in fact, she had, the um, last couple of years, she had gone to this one place that's... Um, Something established by this one dude, Yogananda, the Self-Realization Fellowship, is this one place... I actually have no idea what they do half of the time, so if you guys want to look them up, by all means, but I don't really know what's up. What I do know is that they have this one location in the neighborhood that's super cool in the sense that they... A, you have this amazingly beautiful meditation garden that anybody can go to and as long as they are not loud, they are welcome to hang out nice and two they usually do this awesome thing for halloween where they have all the people who are there their friends kind of dress up in costumes. this very safe environment very cool they put up all these displays for the kids they love it this year those bastards didn't do it no offense to you guys we appreciate the previous years but this year they had construction going on so they were like we're skipping this year so we did go a more traditional door-to-door kind of game and he seemed to appreciate it so all was good now so that was halloween let's jump into what do we jump into which oh this was bizarre to say the least he has been complaining a lot about the lack of uh she basically said when people try to console her and say oh you know your mom watches over you in spirit she's like Yeah, I don't give a shit. I want a hug. You know, it's like I don't want the spirit. I want a fucking hug. She doesn't say exactly that way, but that's sort of the message. That's the
1: sentiment for sure.
0: Yeah. And um, so here is what happens. One night, my mom has a dream, uh, dreams of Elizabeth, my wife, and, and Elizabeth is telling, and my wife is telling her in the dream that, hey, you should go to his and let her know you're there and uh and she's replying yeah but i don't want to wake her up i don't want to freak her out and she's like no no you go and go for it you know it's like she needs it and middle of i don't know this by the way i'll find this out the next morning when she tells me but it's like 3 a.m or something and I hear is uh screaming out for me so i run up to her door and i go in and she's like super freaked out she's so scared and she's like there was a hand touching me. I felt this hand on me. He was touching me. Even when you were standing right here, when you arrive and you were at the door, I still felt this hand on me and there was nobody. And I was like, so at that point I figure, I didn't know what was going on. I just grabbed her and, you know, usually she always sleep on her own. I don't want to encourage too much. The, But I was like, eh, fuck this time. I, I brought her in bed with me. She slept with us. It was all good, right? But then when my mom told me this story the next day, I was like, oh shit now do I know what that means? no of course no do I like to think that that was Elizabeth watching over her and letting her know yeah of course I do do I hope that's the case? big time do I know it? of course I don't you know but it's definitely if nothing else is a nice coincidence and if nothing else it's again a healthy reminder that the universe may be weirder than we know but, um, but yeah that was powerful man that was really interesting now on the other front also fun was um I mean like Isabella is so fun lately. I really, really am having a good time with her. She's so nice and sweet and smart. I really and like just I was looking at it a few days ago and we were like sitting on the floor and we decided to have dinner on the floor so she could p- keep playing with Legos while she was eating. And, uh, you know, she's in the middle of playing with Legos, eating. She for no reason whatsoever decided to start screaming with the light in her voice, whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. And just in case, no, I never offered her whiskey. I don't even drink whiskey. So I don't know where the hell that came from, but it was like, it was one of those moments when I look at it from the outside. I'm like, this is actually really amusing the whole, this whole interaction. So that was that, that was a uh, good
1: time with Isabella. There you have it guys. Daughters are awesome and terrifying to raise. Indeed. I have a dream today, <laughs> and now we cross the ethereal plane for a visit into Belali's dream time.
0: Okay, guys, dreams of the month, dreams in the plural, because I had a couple, and both of them were really weird. So they are both worth going into. Uh let's start with a good old-fashioned viking battle because there's nothing like swinging an axe against your enemies in the middle of 30 people doing the same thing so somehow my dream self decided to be part of this glorious viking battle, swords, axes, everything and I do manage to dispatch one of my enemy with an axe, which is always a good thought And i get chased down by i guess a friend of uh, this enemy that i just finished off and i run away because you know i'm a viking but i'm not like a crazy brave viking i sometimes i figure this guy's chasing me i run off and i manage to kind of climb in a spot where i can still the other person see me and they see that i'm getting away and they're not going to be able to catch him so we can have a conversation almost but it's like they they can't reach me right And I realized, by the way, that the person who's chasing me, the friend of my enemy, turns out to be my mom. And my mom is saying, "Okay, no, I get it. You know, you're you're escaping this time. I'll get you the next time. But you know, this time, whatever, you win. Okay, but let's." set some ground rules here because you know what you just did you see how you hit him with an axe and now there's blood everywhere what a freaking mess now who's gonna clean this up this is just nasty so if we're gonna do axe fights again we are gonna only hit specific points in the body that don't cause blood spray everywhere you know we can have a good axe fight but it has to be a clean good axe fight it can not be too dirty otherwise too messy i woke up i was on the floor laughing because i was like. My mom would be worried about cleaning up after an axe fight. That sounded oddly perfect for her. I was like, yes, that's exactly how it would be. If I ever end up having an axe fight with my mom. that would be that would be how it is. I'd like to put some plastic down first if you don't mind. Yeah, that was it that's exactly how it was, right? I was like, Oh my god, I my subconscious amuses me. And another one, this was actually a sad dream, but I woke up being happy that it wasn't true. So oh, I woke that's up. That's
1: an interesting moment. Yeah.
0: Holy shit.
1: Thank God.
0: That's exactly how it worked, because I dreamt that this crazed religious fundamentalist ran over Duncan Trussell in a truck, just ran him over and killed him. Cause he was saying, and then was jumping up for joy saying, I stopped the work of the devil. Duncan Trussell was working for the devil. So I stopped the evil one. And I was like, oh shit, Duncan's dead. That's terrible. I was really, really sad. I was all bummed out in my dream. I was all like, don't kill Duncan. Well, this
1: Duncan being killed by the Demiurge. That makes yeah, it even worse. That
0: just mean. And then I realized that I was dreaming and I was like, oh wait, Duncan's still alive. He's still part of this universe. Ah, I feel better now. So that was dream number two. Wow! On that note, my dreams for the month for the month I would say are wrapped up. And uh, from Viking axe fights, back clean to Duncan Trussell being smitten by the servants of the evil ones. Um, good stuff. Sweet dreams, everybody. <laughs>
1: Story time, everybody! Now, often we leave out of story time kind of rattled, maybe even a little sad. Not today. Excellent! It's a happy story then!
0: It's a happy story. Now, to make it even weirder, I tend to have been accused of not being the Christian's best friend. And there's, you know, there may be a little reasoning behind that. But yes, I'm not traditionally being a huge fan of Christianity as an organized religion, that's for sure. At the same time, that does not prevent me from acknowledging some damn good thing when I see it. So, the hero of our tale today is a very devout Christian, Japanese guy, which is highly unusual because Christianity has really made huge inroads in Japan, a gentleman by the name of Chiune Sujihara. Chiune Sujihara is um, an interesting tale that you don't really hear that much about, but it's so damn epic and powerful. It may not start that way, he sound like he was a damn bureaucrat, you know, he was the vice cons, he he was the vice consul in Lithuania for Japan, so you know, high ranking bureaucrats basically, nothing that usually, they're they usually, those guys don't tend to be the heroes in many stories except that in this case, it very much will be so here is what happened, he's the vice consul in Lithuania during, right smack in the middle of World War II
1: Not a great time to be in Lithuania.
0: No, probably not a great time to be in a lot of places, but definitely Lithuania was not high up on the list of happy places where to be. Now, what's going on in Lithuania is that there are gazillions of Jewish people trying to flee, being rounded up and sent to concentration camps, particularly from, uh, well, some obviously from Lithuania, some from Poland, some from Germany. There were a bunch of these places where people were trying to flee. And one of the problems is that in order to travel, you had to have the proper travel document, you had to have the visas and all of that. And these guys could not exactly appeal to too many authorities who would have readily hand it up to them and you know get on the German bedside. So some of them were really, really struggling. Sujihara tried to appeal to his superior, trying to make a case for it. Can we hand out some visas? Is it cool? And, you know, these guys were going by the book. He's like, they have to fulfill all these requirements. They have to have the necessary money. They have to do this and that. Sort of giving them the, this is the rule book. Apply it, and that's where it's at. And Sujihara, after a while, decided, you know what? Screw the rule book, which is something very not japanese very not bureaucratic but it's something very cool in this situation because he basically started deciding you know what forget what they told me I'm starting to writing down uh, travel authorizations for all these people to basically allow them to flee the country and get to a safe place he started doing it and because he's realizing what's going on that you know the news is tightening and these people are about to get caught and can die any minute now he spent like 18 to 20 hours a day just signing documents one after another just you know, crunch that out, okay, next, crunch that out, next, does that all day long, putting together the proper documentation, signing it, handing it out, all in all, it's estimated that he may have saved something like 6,000 people wow. that uh, would have likely otherwise been caught and met. Now, these uh, are just exit
1: papers, right? They're not yeah. all going to Japan. Yeah.
0: They, there's something where basically it says they are going to Japan, but then it can be used to travel wherever, right? So they could get out.
1: No, my luck, I'd go to Nagasaki. Yeah, no, oh, exactly. it's safe here. It's
0: like, yeah, no, not that kind of story. It's actually, again, today is a happy story. It's <laughs> not a, a bad one. But, you know, by the end, again, there were times when he was running out of time, so he just turned out a blank thing with his signature and just, you guys try to figure out how to deal with it, and... You know, he did something insanely powerful. His superior never even caught on; like, didn't see it. Because again, one of the funny things about bureaucracy is that nobody checks, and you know, he's like, "Mm, whatever, we didn't see it.
1: Well, especially with just insanity going on. I mean, it's a perfect time to just reel them out. They're going to go look at the records where they were burned down last night. So yeah,
0: exactly. There's, uh... but when you think about it, you know, the power of this guy's conviction. He's serious bolts of steel in going, challenging the Nazis, challenging his own government, challenging the Japanese ethos of obedience and follow the rules, challenging the, the... You know, when you are a part of a bureaucracy, inevitably it's all about, you know, the rules and you have to... you don't have the proper document, you don't have to do this and that. He says screw you to all of it to end up helping an insane amount of people. I mean, think about the impact that he had on those 6,000 people, on their kids, grandkids, and everything
1: else. There would be no capacity to do anything like that today because you always have a computer in the way of, uh, let me check the file here let me check. Well, but this then sort again, of forging documents days are over. Not
0: necessarily because it depends on who's going to check. You know, all the technology in the world don't mean shit if you don't have people who look at it. You know, you can have the most advanced camera in the world that prevent people... How many people are you hiring to look through those cameras all day long? I mean, that's one of the funny things about technology, right? It's like technology is only as good as you have actually humans behind it using some of it. So who knows? Maybe there is room for that. Hopefully we don't
1: get to a place where it's needed. I just see in my mind, you know, 1942, these these papers are enough, you know? Oh yeah. Oh no, let me have a moment to look through my machine here to tell me if this is good paper or bad paper that didn't exist
0: but nobody apparently he, he was all worried they were going to check on him nobody check on what he did well right? when
1: did he spill the beans?
0: he um, when did the after story- the war eventually became and there's a quote of his there's a Wikipedia page about him that's very detailed and give a lot more info than I'm giving now but there's a quote of him that is pretty intense he says you want to know about my motivation don't you? well it's the kind of sentiments anyone would have when he actually sees refugees face to face begging with tears in their eyes he just cannot help but sympathize with them among the refugees were the elderly and women they were so desperate that they went so far as to kiss my shoes yes, I actually witnessed some scenes with my own eyes also I felt at the time that the Japanese government did not have any uniform opinion in Tokyo some Japanese military leaders were just scared because of the pressure from the Nazis while other officials in the home ministry were simply ambivalent people in Tokyo were not united I felt it silly to deal with them Um, so I made up my mind not to wait for their reply I knew that somebody would surely complain about me in the future but I myself thought this would be the right thing to do there's nothing wrong in saving many people's lives the spirit of humanity, philanthropy, neighborly friendship with this spirit I ventured to do what I did confronting this most difficult situation and because of this reason I went ahead with redoubled courage pretty damn intense and I mean a a lot of what he's saying he then when he talks about it he credits his persona his beliefs and everything with his faith you know he's a hardcore Christian which is back to a point that I've been trying to make and I think I'll make even I'll keep making to avoid confusion I have nothing against uh, anybody labeling themselves just about anything you know I have nothing I have issues with the theology of certain traditions. But I don't know what that means for you as a human being to identify with that. You know, being a hardcore Christian may mean, uh, you know, crusades, chop off the heads of the infidels kind of thing. It may be everybody need to follow our rules and our laws and squash all other opinions kind of thing. But it may also be somebody will just be nice to your friends, be nice to your neighbors, be nice to your enemies, be nice to... That's also just as Christian. I mean, you had like in the 1600s in New England, you had the Puritans who were really hardcore and squashing dissent and all of that. And you had the Quakers who were the most pacifist people in the world who only made fair deals with Indian tribes, at least in the beginning, and all of that. So they're both Christian. So telling me Christian doesn't mean shit. It's like there's a. Uh, they are very different kinds. Same way as telling me just about anything. Tell me Muslim, tell me Jewish, tell me Buddhist, tell me. Now, some theologies have in them seeds that are considerably nicer than others in the sense that in some theology, there's there's something that Samaris was saying when talking about ISIS and the Islamic State and so on. He was saying, look, if you look at what the Islamic State is doing, it would be very hard for anybody to read the Buddhist scriptures and find any quote attributed to Buddha that would justify that. You could look in the Quran and find something that justified that. Now, that does not mean that there's a million other messages in the Quran that go right against that, but it means you can at least find some theological seed there to draw a connection. Um, Some religions are easier than others to turn in a really dark, ugly fashion. That doesn't mean that that's the truth of the religion. I'm saying that there's the ideological seats are there that you can, if you selectively only focus on some and ignore others, that's the outcome you can come up with. Christianity, clearly there has been a ton of horrific things happen in human history due to Christianity. But then there are also guys like this. You know, that's why I don't care about labels. I'm interested in the human beings behind them. It's like, what does your being Christian mean? Robertson being Christian, ooh, ooh. yike. Uh, Chiune Sugihara being Christian, I like you. I have no problem with your Christianity.
1: These not words.
0: Absolutely, because that's what it's about, is all the theology in the world doesn't mean shit unless you apply it in life. And when you apply it in life, I'm interested in the actions, exactly as you put it.
1: I love that our friend Malawi, Malawi the girl from uh, Afghanistan, mm-hmm. Nobel Peace Prize, mm-hmm. and her message is unbelievable. She said if she was confronted by the same people that shot her again she would tell them simply before you shoot me I want your daughters to be able to go to school too <laughs> now do as you want to me
0: yeah I, I still think I would shoot them but again she gets she, the Nobel Peace Prize and I don't well, so remember that the, maybe there's it was, the
1: liberal versus the progressives you know yeah the, uh, sometimes uh, you, to turn liberal, the other cheek is a yeah. little little too far sometimes and I agree with them I actually didn't really put that together till until jek helped us with that that was uh yep
0: she had a very good point on that one in any case, so. So, credit, if
1: want to do Jesus-like kind deeds,
0: have at it. Credit where credit is due. If that's your way of being Christian, I'm all for it.
1: Well, uh, after the the summertime lag, the stack of mail is, uh, is is just as high as the ceiling. So we're gonna put on our gloves and reach inside and. and see what's gone, gone
0: in there indeed let's start with Adam uh, who's dealing with some spiritual trouble he's um, started out as an evangelical Christian uh, he's now quite interesting he's sort of more in, uh, agnostic side right now and he's quite interesting in psychedelics and having sort of a direct type of experience of the religious as opposed to having somebody tell you about it and uh, you know tried weed for the first time last year loved it thought it was a great help even not just purely as a get rid of stress but also as really just in terms of spiritual experience and uh, he's again quite interesting in experiencing some more with plant medicines and so on and so forth problem is his wife not so on board with it she's pretty he actually converted his wife to christianity And now she's way more hardcore than he is about it. So, you know, they still go to church. She's not exactly thrilled with it. He's doing more for her than nothing. But um, part of the problem is that she clearly is not a big fan of the whole psychedelic route. And that's where he wants to go. And I mean, it sounds like he has Adam has his own answers because he's saying, I don't really want to go behind my wife's back. Yes, you definitely don't. I mean, there are two solutions there. Either... Divorce came to mind quickly. Yeah, that's one, right? It's like if... And I don't mean about this, about because this is just a symptom. If there are... A bunch of things where you feel that you can't talk about with somebody that you are in a relationship you with. You can't possibly you have can't. two religions
1: in one household.
0: No, but I mean you can if you wanna. Everybody's cool and you wanna, you know, you do your own thing. Right? one person thing is always is. like,
1: "Oh, off with the, off with the mushroom heads again, huh?"
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like you can't be judgmental about. Jesus it. hates you. you, for that, you know? Yeah, that would be an issue. If you can do it as, a, "Hey, this is what helps me, but be a better person. That helps you. Good. Not working for me, but if works for you, good for you. That's you great." Jesus
1: hates Figs, you ought to see him right. get a whole bag of mushrooms, man. Hit yeah, them, Giving everybody hell.
0: Well, or you read the Allegro thing, the theory that Jesus was a mushroom. But beside that, the um, no, I mean, it really boils down to in terms of relationship. And again, this evades the specific question about psychedelics. It's more of a bigger question about communication. There's, I think, it's very easy for a lot of people to get into a relationship where, you know, you start compromising a little bit because inevitably you're doing some kind of relationship and then you compromise a little more and a little more and a little more until the whole game becomes an element in which you're constantly cutting off pieces of yourself, hopefully metaphorically in order to fit in the relationship.
1: Getting that Sunday morning shave has got to hurt when you know that I don't do this shit, I'd rather just. Stay in bed for a couple more hours, and here we go again. And I introduced her to it all. Yeah,
0: I mean, the whole point is you can't. You got to be yourself. And if you're not yourself, I mean, in a relationship, you are around each other all the time. So if you can't be who you are and relaxed, comfortable in your own skin around the people you love, there's something really wrong with the dynamics. At least does once not, in a while. <laughs> yeah, which does not mean that the person is a bad person. It just means that maybe you click for a while and you don't click now. No, I'm not in any way, shape or form, suggesting that this is the case right here because maybe it's just a matter of talking things out and showing somebody. Because again, the point of a good relationship is that in theory it should be simple. You know, you love me, I love you. Well, this is me, this is part of where I'm at, this is why I'm making the decisions I'm making, this is why I'm interested in certain things. I'm not trying to convince you like you have to feel the same way, but I'm trying to get you to a place where you can acknowledge and respect where I'm at and see that I'm not crazy. I'm just doing something because there's a logic to what I'm doing. And if you can appreciate that and just be good, you know, and encourage it and work with you and you know, you can have question, you can have doubts, you can have all of that makes for an healthy discussion. But that's it, ultimately, you know, you love the person, so you let them be who they are. If you just and follow these uh, seven steps I've
1: drawn out for you. Yeah.
0: yeah, the new agey thing. No, the and so that's where, to me, it boils down to. So about these, yeah, man, it's really about just having good communication with their, and it it really works, because that's how, you know, you guys uh, work with each other, or if it start turning into this game of, uh, you have to hide elements of yourself um, in a relationship. It's time to get out. And by the way, I'm saying that like it's easy, It's really not, not only for practical reasons, but even emotional attachment and everything else is the hardest thing in the world. At the same time, there really is no reward to live somebody else's life. So having said that. Sorry, Adam. Yeah, well, maybe not. Sorry, depends on how the discussion pans out.
1: I guess, I guess, I've got some preconceived notions to how some of these evangelicals can get once they grab on with both hands.
0: Yeah, but you know what,
1: people but are. If he brought her in, you he might be able to bring her out.
0: Not only that, but not, not even necessarily, because my thing, like. To me, those labels don't mean crap at the end of the day because it's made of, you know, even like uh, evangelical Christians. There are millions of people. They are not all from the same mold. They are what bring them to that is such different stuff that just because the I may recoil in a horror from the label doesn't mean that that specific human being cannot be actually a pretty cool human being. And while we may have some deep differences, we can't have a conversation where we come to a place of love, respect, and acceptance. You know. So who the hell knows? You know, it depends how she is. You know, Evangelical Christian, unfortunately, doesn't tell you much. Is What does that mean? It oh, do
1: paint a picture, though.
0: Yeah, it definitely <laughs> start heading in a certain direction. But again, there's so much variation that it's hard to generalize. All right. She's nice. She's not Sarah Palin. We'll find out. Uh, Adam Update will let, her, let us know.
1: You guys ruined everything.
0: Now, Mr. Uh, ooh, oh, God, I can't pronounce your name. Sorry. Aving. From Norway, our oh. Scandinavian uh, listenership. Scandinavian shows up.
1: tour, 2015. Yeah,
0: and uh, he's talk- He was talking about. Um, he was talking with his girlfriend about uh, sort of. You read it a lot these days. The whole art of picking up women, and uh, out there's a whole series of. Uh, um, There's a whole kind of like literature about it. Now there's basically manipulation techniques. So now you're playing with people's insecurity to get what you want out of them and so on and so forth. Whatever, happened to just rolling up and saying,
1: hey, baby. (laughs) Right. And that would be that. I mean, that's the way we did it in the 80s. It was awesome. Works all the time, right? Oh, man, worked ones of times for sure.
0: And the thing is, again, another case where I think you have your own answer because uh, his vibe is, yeah, this stuff kind of gross me out. What's your take on it? Yes, yeah, so it gross me out a lot because, again, at th- the end of the day, there are a gazillion people. You can have sex. You're going to find somebody to have sex with down the road or there are some awesome flashlights out there. So either way, you can give yourself, with or without a partner, some amazing orgasms,
1: especially if you have a dining room table.
0: Yeah, that helps. And, uh, the, the thing is that stuff, the reason why it gross me out is because like for the longest time, I remember in my early relationship with women, I was always so disgusted with that stereotypical, you know, guys trying to get sex out of women and in this sort of predatory fashion where, Hey baby. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Retrievers, uh, as exhibit a. and, um, the, um, that I went like completely other extreme. I'll be like, Oh, you're really really into me. Oh, I'm really really into you, but, but wait, maybe what if, uh, you know, 30 years down the road, I'm still not here for you and you get sad because I don't really want to hurt. You. It's like, okay, man, okay. We're going a little too far, the other direction. So a healthy balance may not be a bad idea, but the first, point is anybody who's, uh, particularly when it comes to sex, but about other stuff as well, anybody, you know, manipulating individuals to get what you want out of them. You're just a shitty human being. That's just where it's at. There's just no other, you may not be technically a rapist, but you are the same thing I to me. I was going
1: to say the yes. very. it's just like the next level down. You're like the scientific yeah. rapist that Yeah. you're, you're going to use mind tricks to get somebody. Yeah. And didn't have, uh, when you saw the one you knew was the one, you just knew, didn't you? And that's the other thing that there was made. no question. There was you no know. pause and there was no it was a complete shift of focus. There she is.
0: And there are two, two issues with that, right? That if you're not if you just want to have fun and you just want to have sex, again, that's fun and all. But A, there are probably other people who are in the same mental place and you can have a happy, you know, give each other great orgasm, shake hands and everybody's happy. Or if you are really desperate in that direction, go to a hooker. Jesus Christ, don't, that's way more honest than manipulating somebody into sex with promises that you're really offering something else that you really aren't. And just you might
1: learn something useful in the future.
0: Pay some money, go to a hooker, way more honest. I, I have more respect for that than I have for somebody playing mental games with somebody to squeeze sex out of them. That just gross. And, uh, and the other thing is not even good for you. Because the whole thing at the end of the day is you are, it goes back to that issue about being able to be yourself around some people. And if uh, I find it so much more rewarding when you can be so comfortable in your own skin that you don't have to put on an act, you don't have to put on an image, a little theater for somebody, because if I do this, then I get what I want. Way too much work, way too much mental bullshit that does damage to the other person and also does damage to yourself because you're in this constant concealing act of who you really are.
1: You're just putting your own makeup on, just like the ladies. I mean, what do you want? Do you want a lady that's got 47 minutes of construction necessary to get out of the house or do you want the one to roll over in the morning and pretty much be what she is, you know?
0: Uh, I don't don't dig that... uh yeah. I mean, there's a place for it, sort of like when we had Robert Green on and we're talking about being able to play the game in certain context. And by playing the game, we're talking about, you know, corporate. We're talking about, you know, at your job and you have an asshole boss. Maybe being 100 percent honest is not the best policy in the world. Not going to work well. And I can see how being able to play the game is smart. And so I have respect for that part. But when it comes to interpersonal relationship, fuck that. That just gross me out. On that note, we take too long to um, get into all this. So there are way more questions, but we'll keep them for the next episode.
1: Zip! The other day, that he's—it's uh, it's my son's friend, but we kind of know our parents—the the parents pretty well—and uh-huh. uh, their next-door neighbor, old man, came running over. This is a few weeks back, but banging on the door, help, help, help! Jesus! He had just run his wife over and splattered her fucking head like a cantaloupe.
0: Sorry. When was that? Where few, was that?
1: Was a few weeks ago, Thousand Oaks. And uh, she got back behind the car and he backed up and rolled right over her fucking head and splatted it everywhere. So <laughs> these folks are just getting out of bed. They're trying to console this old man. And they didn't, they're like, well, let's go get her out. Oh, oh. There no was, need to get her out. He killed her? Yeah. Like a
0: block away from you? Like, Two houses away from was, you?
1: This was, this was, it was their house, but it was their next door neighbor. No, this wasn't this was a whole different city for me now, but it was Ethan's friend's oh, parents. Oh, I
0: I got you, got you, got
1: you. So, uh yeah. Fucking hell. That would that would change your morning. Yeah. Poor unless, old guy would just Oh, how's he deal with that? Ran over his wife and uh, splatter her uh, brain or Unless those. he was hoping for it, I don't give him long. But even if he was hoping for it, I think he'd still feel guilty. Yeah. That's tough. Quick
0: yeah but fuck so he just he her down and then just to make sure just or pass over her skull i think he was
1: just backing up didn't know she was behind him and knocked her she falls all the way right under the tire and jesus it popped like a grape and sprayed brains everywhere
0: oh my god that's an
1: awful story would know, be out there hosing that shit down later that day i mean who's responsible for that yeah old man Get her to spray your damn wife's brains off my fucking driveway. That's a
0: horrible story.
1: Oh my <laughs> God, that's
0: terrible. But it's
1: real, man. That's how crazy shit is. That's how you never know.
0: Speaking of horrible and terrible and real, did you listen to Miss Pat, the lady who wanted to get an hour, on the shit. Rogan thing? shit, I couldn't have handled
1: it. I didn't listen to Rogan's by listening to Mark Maron's. Oh, I didn't get to that. But it's probably the same story. Like two kids by the time she was fifteen to a twenty-two year old man who is essentially a child raping bastard.
0: Yeah, but did you get to the part where she and another eight-year-old kid were supposed to help the retarded uncle uh, put his dick into a hooker because he couldn't quite do it? No, you need to listen to Rogan. You need to listen to the Rogan episode. Yeah, that's where it gets good. So, yeah, that part the 50 year old, whatever, shot, drug dealing, uh, it's all yeah, good I heard stuff. All the drug dealing in the little yeah, yeah, yeah. shot the toes no, off gets, the girl. It gets better. It. it gets
1: better. Holy shit. What a survivor, man.
0: No, but some of the story they get so bad. Because initially you're like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, my God, this is bad. Yeah, Oh, this is really bad. And after a while you're like, oh, this is fucking hilarious.
1: You no, know? I, I actually tweeted her because they had tried to get us to yeah. get you know, it just didn't work. And I was like, good Lord, I don't think we could have handled it. Yeah. You know, it was a Tate-level quality of pulling yourself up from your bootstraps for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. She's a trip. Well, but it just
1: shows you how bad it is in the inner city. That yeah, There's I mean, nothing but bad Role models, yep. you are fucked. That's how it is.
0: And that's what, in a way, she deserved total praise because she, how the fuck did she get out? You know,
1: She and just decided uh, that for some reason, well, you know, she, what did she say? By the time she was 18, mm-hmm. that fool buried her. Right. I mean that in the kindest sense. But yeah. good guy. And she was taking care of her two kids and her sister's four kids. Yeah, yeah, So she had six kids, a pile of food stamps, and who could imagine what that was like? But it's funny how she managed her to turn these into comedy. That's, like, good for her. What else are you going to do but laugh at it? At no, no, point? that's cool. You can either sit and cry and make it a weepy story, or you can be like, can you believe this shit? Yeah, yeah. Because no, I, I don't hold much blame, because I remember saying six kids, close your fucking legs. Yeah. Well, only two of them were her, and she was, right. you know, raped at 13 and yeah, 14 yeah. by some asshole, which immediately changed the story. Of course, of course. Oh. I don't know mm-hmm. but yeah, sometimes man, I feel no okay. but you need
0: to get to the retarded uncle getting a hooker oh every week <laughs> that because that's got to be gold so check it out on Rogan. at eight years that's, old yeah
1: that's good stuff it's a little early for me Demon camp, balls of steel, sad Adam. We've pretty much been everywhere today. It's a lot of good stuff. It sees what the rain brings out in things. And in case
0: all these goodies are not enough for you, there's always the seven-hour plus of the Taoist lecture series available. You guys have asked for a long time. It took me a hell of a long time to get all everything set up. It's done now. So yeah, if you guys check it out, it's at uh, danielebolelli.com under store. Uh, you can get it right there. If you have, there's any problem with the downloads or anything, just email me at bodhi1974 at yahoo.com in case you can figure out what my letters are in my strange English pronunciation. Just I'll put, you know, my email is in the episode notes and you can just email me straight. Uh, thank you to Daisy House for providing our soundtrack. Um, where are we at with Kiva? Kiva doing Continues
1: good? Continues to, to be awesome. I actually, uh, had the, the neat time where you get paybacks from, you know, I have several, 30, 40 loans now. So when you get $2 from a bunch of different people, it's time to hand it out to another person. Nice. And it's just nice how it, it balloons up. And, you know, some of these, it's funny, the, uh, the top two lenders are a group of agnostics who outlend the Christians by like $3 million, mm-hmm. but they have millions and millions of dollars these folks give out. And when you see it just keep rolling over and over again, it really, you know, when, when will the Walmarts of the world pick up on this? The other day, for the first time in my life, I had to shop Walmart. I
0: was very sad, but, um, sadly enough, my nerdish uh, Hobbit five disc DVD set with extended version, cause three hours is not enough, was not available through Amazon and I was crying. So I had to go to the servants of Sauron to get it. <sighs> But other things, so do 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 do, what do we need to draw? Oh, of course, if you guys, especially Christmas coming up and stuff, if you are buying chocolates as somebody's gift, um coracao chocolate, check it as uh, one of our affiliates in the episode notes. They have a lot of uh, healthy chocolate goodies. And if you decide to get audible for somebody as a gift, an audible subscription. You can try it out for uh, for free, where you just pick up in a free audiobook for the first month, and then if you don't like it, you can just discontinue. And if you do, I believe it's fifteen dollars a month, and you get goodies all the time. They have an enormous archive of books, uh, articles, all sort of stuff. So if you can use our link, we deeply thank you. And definitely, last but not least, it's time for some screwing up of people's names. Oh, here we go. Let the pottering begin. So the sweet folks who are donating to us this month, we have uh, most of them are repeat donors. There's the occasional person who just throw in, but a lot of them are repeat ones. We have uh, we set up like I don't know how. By the way, somebody has asked me how to set up a recurring donation on PayPal. I'm too stupid to figure it out. I tried. I really, really tried. Some of these folks obviously have figured it out better than I can. But in any case. Our lovely people giving us money for something we give out for free are Chad McRoberts, Chris Talent, Maurizio Mezzatesta. That's a very Italian name. Yeah. And uh curious last name, by the way, because Mezzatesta literally translated means half head. That's interesting. I'm not sure if it's the, ra- the result of a field decapitation or what it is, but Imran mari Kendall Blair. Kendall Blair was helping in so many ways. For another, you know, the the plan is to start a historical podcast. By the way, I did say that it was gonna happen before the end of this year, not happening before the end of this year, but probably early two thousand fifteen. And Kendall has helped a lot in that regard. John Attebury, uh, Austin Reed, Alexander Kuzner, uh, David Peterson, and Darren McLaughlin. Thank you guys so very much. Having said that. Shall we
1: say goodbye to the sweet folks and wish them a good day? Goodbye, sweet folks. I wish you a sweet, happy, awesome day. Overachiever. Which rhymes with retrievers. Indeed. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at D Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In this case, in this case, the providence di of God. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Eh? Oh, man, isn't that scary to think?
0: Nice. <laughs> so, don't kill people. Do that instead.
1: <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome.
0: And I love this conversation.
1: That's Get back yeah. to work.